What's up, everyone, and welcome to episode 211 of the Justin Insight podcast, a show where we talk to people involved in the world of alternative music and their journey through it. As always, my name is Tim Burtbeck, and I am your host and guide through said podcast. And it's been a bloody wonderful few days, I've got to say. I've um, went to my first proper, well, I say quote-unquote proper hardcore show uh, when I saw some friends in London for Edge Day, which was just... Uh, yeah, just being obnoxiously straight edge because why the fuck not? Um, but when it saw Payday, Game, Untold Suffering, and a few other bands in the engine rooms in London, and it was really cool to see UK hardcore back in full effect. Um, if you if you're unaware of any of the three bands I've just mentioned, go check them out. Game just released a fucking awesome EP through Quality Control Records. Uh, Untold Suffering are the new dawn of vegan straight edge over here in the UK um, and Payday are just fucking rad so go check them all out um, in terms of new music I mean how can you not go anywhere without listening to the new Lock, Not Loose record that EP is just insane and that band are just getting heavier and darker and yeah it's just fucking rad really um yeah, I think that's all I really need to say on new music, to be honest. Nothing's going to top that for the last week. Um, but yeah, I'm babbling on as always. So let's get into to this week's guest. And this week's guest actually have a record coming out this Friday. Um, I'm joined by bassist and vocalist of Shoegaze uh, Quartet uh, Slow Crush, Issa Holiday. Uh, as I say, Slow Crush have their new record, Hush, coming out this coming Friday. We get into the the nitty-gritties of that, but we also talk about uh, Issa moving over to Belgium and integrating into the Belgium uh, DIY scene, how Slow Crush kind of took off right from the off and haven't really stopped, uh, touring around America in a camper van, and why they've kind of, with this new record, sort of allowed their instruments to sort of breathe and have more space to create a more sort of luscious sound to to what we already heard from previous material with slow crush so yeah anyway please sit back enjoy the chat i have with isa and i'll see you on the other side Right, so joining me this week on the Justin Insight podcast is bassist and vocalist of Belgian Shoegazers, uh, Slow Crush, Issa Holiday. Issa, thank you very much for taking some time and having a little chat with me. Um, how is everything in your world? Obviously, gearing up with the new record, is it? does it feel weird to kind of be back in that cycle of things again now? It does. It's very, very exciting, very daunting, um, just because everything has sort of been put on hold for for the last what is it two years now <laughs> yeah. um yeah you kind of stop you, you kind of stop counting or lose track of time um <laughs> but uh yeah it's really it's really great to be able to release the songs uh into the world and have people hear them um as we've been sitting on them for for a bit um mm. and to finally be able to play them live so um we're sick of sort of just practicing them over and over again um yeah, yeah. in our rehearsal space so now it'll be great to take them out on a stage and, and see how they go there so 
yeah, really looking forward to uh, to hearing everyone's reaction to the album that will drop next Friday, um, mm. and uh, and yeah, and see people's faces when we play them live. And just because obviously by the t- so this will come out the the week of release, so a yeah. few days before the actual release. But just in terms of like the the songs that you have released thus far, I think a lot of people, obviously, if you're already a Slow Crush fan, that they kind of get what what they're given sort of thing but I think a lot of the reaction I've seen is like this has kind of been an eye-opener for a lot of people in terms of what you're presenting so have you kind of found that that it's a lot more people have kind of tuned into what you you guys are doing now um I think uh possibly I think because the I mean obviously the the slow crush sound is still there on on this new Mm. album but it's got a bit of a darker more melancholic and, and gloomy vibe to it. I think it's um, it's maybe yeah caught the attention of people who may not have been so so much into um, what we played on Aurora. So yeah. I think we're just sort of um, branching out to to maybe different groups of people, um, but still because there is that sort of similar thread in sound. Um, yeah, we're we're still pleasing. Uh, our previous <laughs> yeah. listeners um and yeah some people who are into different genres are sort of paying us more attention now rather than mm. uh, yeah in comparison to to the last record yeah um oh, oh sorry yeah, no 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 i was just going to say that um yeah maybe maybe everyone's just been a bit down and gloomy <laughs> over the last <laughs> few years yeah. it speaks more to them now <laughs> no no i can relate to that um We'll get on to like obviously the the nitty gritty of the of the new record in a bit, but as I say, I always like to take my guests back to their kind of roots and their origins and sort of see what kind of got them like ticking along in the first place. So, what was your kind of first exposure to alternative music? What kind of got you into it in the first place? Um, well, I always say that my mum got me into music, seeing as she's Filipina. So, in the Philippines, karaoke is a huge thing. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> it always has been. So, um, yeah, I've always been. Um, subjected to many, many karaoke parties with various <laughs> talents. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, also, yeah, as a kid, always encouraged to sing. Um, so yeah, that that was kind of my introduction to music. Um, I've always been in a musical family. My dad played guitar as well. So I was also strapped a, a really mini acoustic guitar on, on around my neck um, and forced to play chords of... Uh, puff the magic dragon and stuff like that <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. So, um, yeah that's that's how my musical career began <laughs> um and then yeah just kind of growing up you sort of lose lose interest I suppose or your interest goes to other things um but then as a teenager um yeah uh I, I went to so if you if people don't know or can't hear it um I I am actually British uh, but I grew up, I did, did the majority of my growing up in Belgium in uh, going to a British school. So I was always um, still sort of like following the the, the British trends uh, for mm. music and everything. Um, and yeah, as teenagers do, somebody in the friend group will want to start a band. Uh, and yeah, nobody could play bass. So that's how I picked up the bass um, and started playing from there. Yeah. So I've got a couple of questions. 
Firstly, what's your karaoke song? What's my karaoke song? It's been years. Like seriously, like it's been since I was ten or something. Since <laughs> since I've karaoke. Um, uh, however, we were invited along with nothing to go to a karaoke bar when we played with them in France. Um, we we passed because <laughs> we had yeah. we had to get an early train to the UK the next day. So yeah, we we didn't go along with them unfortunately. Otherwise, I would have been able to tell you what my karaoke song was. Okay. <laughs> um, and secondly, as you say, so how did you kind of end up in in Belgium? Then was it just like family moved there for for work? Yeah. What was the situation? Yeah, that was it exactly. My dad got a job over here in Belgium. We were only stay, supposed to stay for three years, but many 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 years later, I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough. So you say, obviously, like you've always kind of been part of like a musical family and, and things like that. But in terms of the kind of like exposure to the more alternative side of things, where did that kind of come from? Like, was was that your family or was that like through friends? Where did that kind of yeah, come that, from? Yeah, that was definitely friends, not my family at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So like, as I said, uh, we kind of started a a girl band uh, in in my teens and uh, just like yeah my group of friends and I we were the, the kind of yeah the, the social outcasts <laughs> yeah. as, as we usually as you usually are um, and so we were yeah we weren't into the boy bands that all of the other girls were into um, and so we ventured outside of the little British bubble uh, that was the British School of Brussels and uh, we started making friends outside and got to know um, like got to know some local kids uh, that went to youth clubs so over here in Belgium um, shows uh, venues are generally like youth clubs Um, Mm. it's very different from in the the youth clubs in the UK I suppose Um, but uh, yeah so we just started going to shows over here um, got to know the guys in Slow Crush Um, and so yeah uh, that's where it all started Um, uh, yeah, Yellow's band at the time were looking for a bass player. My friend, um, yeah, my friend said Issa plays bass, so that's how that connection sort of started yeah. going. And then uh, I was playing in a band with Yella and Yeruna, our new guitar player at the time. Um, and we've just been in various different formations um, in many bands uh, from then mm. until now. So now it's all come back together to the, to the <laughs> <Yeah>. original group. <laughs> so as you say, like with those kind of like sort of stepping outside of the norm of, of like the the boy bands and so on and so forth. So what were some of the bands that you were kind of gravitating towards in terms of like what you were listening to? Um, yeah, we were kind of into sort of the, yeah, the, the, the 90s indie at the time and like the, the sort of, Smashing Pumpkins, Deftones uh, bands, and um, and then more into hardcore bands. Um, so the the shows that we went to over here were kind of local hardcore shows, um, mm. and obviously that's very very different from from the British boy bands. <laughs> yeah, that were, <laughs> yeah. That, were uh, that were popular, um, <clears throat> and yeah, so that's that's what we were into, and mm. it wasn't. It wasn't. Um, it wasn't. Uh, but yeah, we, I just didn't fit in with the cool kids. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And then, so you obviously mentioned 
obviously like with your your mum being Filipino, like the karaoke sort of culture with that. But you, as you said, like your dad gave you an acoustic guitar very early on and, and things like that. So it's almost like you were kind of destined to be put into music in some shape or form. But I don't know, were, were you always kind of actively interested in picking up a, an instrument and singing yourself? Or was it just because you were sort of surrounded by it? I think, yeah, it's, there, there was always an interest, but never an interest to be sort of up, like, up front on stage. Um, so, like, in my previous bands where I was playing bass, I was very content with hiding behind the massive bass cab that was as tall as right, I am. Yeah. Um, so now with low pressure, it's a very, very different, <laughs> it's a very, di very <laughs> yeah. different situation. Um, <clears throat> so... That was definitely like a, a big step for me to take um, out of my comfort zone. Um, and I've just kind of grown and learned from that um, just to sort of step into my own sort of world when I'm on stage and uh, mm. just get completely into the zone and forget that everybody else is out there. Um, so, yeah. Because <laughs> did you did you sort of like when you were younger or anything maybe not necessarily in bands but just like in school or anything like that did, did you kind of sing or anything then or is it only kind of really been since slow crush um no i i did sing in school um i was frequently sort of wandering around the playground by myself singing to myself until other kids started making fun of me for that so oh, no. so that's probably where the trauma of uh <laughs> of being sort of in the spotlight has has uh sprouted from um i feel like i'm mm. in therapy now <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> yeah so i mean yeah that yeah it's kind of it's kind of formed who i am really um mm. and i don't know if that's sort of a cute thing or <laughs> or if it's just very confronting um but uh yeah I I I, I sang um in like a school choir uh we were invited uh to to sing along in the studio for a for a famous Belgian artist I oh cool but I think they actually kicked us off and chose another choir because oh, no. we weren't that good um but yeah uh Apart from that, like, yeah, it, it's all of my singing sort of um, interest in singing sort of was put on the back burner mm. until uh, until we started Slow Crush and we were trying to figure out who was going to sing or, or how we were going to, yeah, how we were going to compose the band. Um, and then because yeah. um, it kind of sprouted from a previous band that had uh, that had split Um so that previous band was a more metal uh, doom band um, and we were trying to sort of start up something similar with with me on vocals but my vocals just don't work for grunting or <laughs> powerful sort of metal ballads or anything like that so um it and, and then the way that Yellow was kind of gravitating in his uh, songwriting was more sort of the, yeah, the the shoegazy vibe or, or even sort of a bit, um, yeah, like we were, we were trying to sort of 
um, cover some some pity sex songs. That's right. kind of like it's got the sort of shoegazy or, or like ethereal vocals on it. Um, so I was trying to emulate that, and it just came naturally, really. So um, I'm quite soft spoken soft spoken in general mm. um and and so singing in that manner just uh came organically rather than having yeah, to yeah. force my voice to do something that it's not it's not made for um yeah of course so so yeah that that kind of worked out well um and and uh that's where we took off from really <laughs> yeah. and then in terms of kind of like playing like a musical instrument again you said like you obviously your dad gave you the acoustic quite early on but obviously now you're better known as a as a bassist so did you did you not really get on with the guitar did you just kind of find that the bass suited you better what was the kind of workings with that um well yeah in those early kind of girl band uh days um the majority of my friends could play guitar it was easy it was easier to pick up a guitar i think as a, mm. as a first instrument to to learn so it was just the case that nobody could play bass and um and i thought okay i'll give it a go um and yeah it just it, it i i felt comfortable with it um yeah it's a lot easier for my small fingers to to, <laughs> to grasp around um so yeah it it, it uh, i mean i can i've tried to pick up guitar a couple of times since um but it's been it's it's mostly gone horrible horribly wrong i could do i can do like little <laughs> finger picking things but when it comes to playing power chords and stuff i can't <laughs> i can't reach <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough. and then so i just want to kind of uh, focus on obviously like you sort of growing up in like the the sort of belgian scene as you mentioned obviously you kind of going to the more sort of like indie punk stuff, then elevating to like hardcore and, and things like that. And obviously from uh, an outside perspective, like and having had the opportunity to go to, to Belgium a few times, like the mainland Europe in general loves its hardcore and Belgium is like a thriving hub for it. Yeah. So when you were like younger and, and sort of going to these shows, was it, what was your kind of experience like with that? Because like I don't want to sort of diminish it but as you say like you're quite a softly spoken person so then to go to these events where it's like fists flying like angry white dude shouting <laughs> sort of thing how was that for you like growing up and did you kind of enjoy that or did you kind of was it just kind of part and parcel of growing up in Belgium yeah I think it's I mean in at the time it was very much a community thing so like all of our friends were there so it was just going going to shows hanging out with them um, and everyone, everyone is very, um, well, so everyone looks out for each other. So mm. yeah, even though there are a lot of sort of, uh, yeah, there's a lot of moshing going on and everything. If somebody falls on the floor, they immediately pick you up and make sure that you're all right and put you somewhere safe if necessary. Yeah. Um, so I remember my very, very first show that I ever went to like proper show, um, on my own with my friends, uh, was a green day show and, unknowingly we went like straight up sort of in the front in the middle exactly <laughs> yeah. where the mosh pit was going to start um and yeah so as little sort of 14 year olds or whatever we were <laughs> we immediately <laughs> yeah. got pounded to the ground uh, but then also immediately got helped up and set aside um so 
and and that I well my personal experience with with going to shows and uh, has has always been in that way that everyone is very sort of helpful and respectful of each other mm. although I know that nowadays that's not always the case so I think yeah. I'm very fortunate to um to have been in in those kind of situations uh where there was uh a good sort of community vibe and and everyone was very friendly and and respectful for each other um and i really just hope that at our shows at least that 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 is also the case that everyone mm. is looking out for each other and not um and and not being disrespectful so mm. and because did you say that you you were in brussels when you were sort of growing up was that uh yeah yeah belgium is very very tiny <laughs> so yeah. everything yeah. is very close to brussels i mean the airport is called brussels airport even though it's not in brussels uh yeah so, yeah. uh yeah it's uh, i yeah um i live in a in a city called Leuven or Leuven, right. um which is the home of Stella Artois. so um which is like uh what 16 kilometers away from brussels or something like that so right, six, okay. 16 yeah, miles yeah. sorry um about yeah. 25k from brussels um so everything's relatively close yeah yeah but because that's obviously again like just from tours that i've been on and sort of seeing like tour posters and things they're generally like bands who hit belgium they'll kind of do either brussels Antwerp, antwerp and maybe Ghent, a, yeah. a push sort of thing. But because obviously you were so in quite clo close proximity, were you going to gigs quite a lot when you were younger? And because obviously that's like the place where bands stopped, did you get the opportunity to see quite a lot of like bigger bands coming through? Yeah, I think so. That I mean, um, I think now, now maybe less so. Um, mm. But because Belgium is just so central in Europe, it's an easy place to sort of, pass. everyone has to pass through Belgium eventually. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, and yeah, like you said, that, that it's because it's so small, maybe like one or two stops in Belgium is uh, a planned on tours, um, if any. Um, but I think now m most bigger bands may even skip Belgium and just play the, the mm. neighboring countries like Holland or, or Paris or, or or something like that but um but back when I was growing up um we were we just went to any show <laughs> yeah so um there, there are a lot of local shows and and even now still there are there are loads of gigs happening um and they're not all from from foreign bands so um Belgium is just thriving with uh, mm. with a lot of um a lot of bands um and a lot of venues um that give bands the opportunity to play as well so um <clears throat> which was great growing up because uh, there was always something to do in the weekend always a show to go mm. to um and yeah it's just a shame with with the whole covid thing that that has yeah. put some venues at risk of of being able to continue um i think luckily um most of the of the venues over here have been able to sort of survive that and um have started picking up and and putting on shows again now mm. and you i'm not sure if you'd be able to answer this or not but i know because i know that some places in europe do it but i, I don't know how belgium operates but do, does the government give funding for like venues and putting on gigs and things in belgium yeah yeah there is um there is funding for for these 
clubs um mm. and also for for the organizations to to yeah. sort of support uh the bands that are playing um so there is some funding i know that um i think it was last year or the year before um there were they were being scrutinized because they were sort of trying to cut the culture um yeah, yeah. a lot um but to be perfectly honest i don't know how that worked out <laughs> <laughs> <That's fair enough. laughs> but yeah I, I think yeah a lot of petitions were signed a lot of protests happened um mm. and especially with with the funding for for artists during the whole lockdown period as well so um it's it's been a big thing um to to make sure that artists are, are treated fairly and also that venues are also getting the funds that they need to be able to to keep going as well yeah so then if we go to talking about like you being in bands as you've mentioned on a couple of occasions you had that sort of like girl bands that was sort of like your first sort of foray into it but what would you consider like your first like quote-unquote proper band one that was sort of maybe doing like out of town shows, maybe a little bit of touring and recorded and things like that. What would you consider your first band? I don't know if I should mention it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, the, I mean, the first band that I played with um, Yellow and, and Yerunin uh, was Third Season. Um, okay. So yeah, that that was a kind of melodic hardcore band. Um, and we, we toured in the UK as well uh, back then. Um, and uh, yeah, that that's where it all really kind of started with me on mm. bass, on a, on proper stages. <laughs> yeah. So, because the reason I always ask is I thought I find it interesting, like how people's sort of perception of like when they first start touring to obviously what they're doing, like in present day, it's kind of like equivocated. Obviously, I want to kind of talk about the the year you're potentially going to be having next year, but. <laughs> When you kind of like had those first early tours, did they, did you kind of have any expectations kind of going into it or were you just kind of like, oh, this is a cool opportunity. I'll see how it goes and, and things like that. Um, there's, I mean, there's a part of it that was like, let's see how it goes. I think that's mm. um, being realistic, you know, in, if you're in a hardcore band and if all the shows are DIY, there's no absolute guarantee <laughs> what, you, <laughs> what you're yeah. going to get out of it um but um definitely like with shows in europe the hospitality that you get at shows is 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 always good so you always get food, yeah. you always get a place to stay um and and that's all that that's the guarantee really um so so back in the days of third season or, or the other hardcore bands that we toured with um we were content with that and mm. uh, and the experience, the whole experience, and and to some extent, um, the the first slow crush tours were also um, with that sort of contentment with let let's see how it goes, and uh, if we you know if we break even like with the, with the first US tour, we had absolutely no expectations. Um, yeah, because uh, we thought it's so far away, so far away from home. Um, and although we could see that we had listeners, we had a good amount of listeners in the States, the States is freaking huge. So, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, if we've got one listener in every state, that's great. Uh, but is that enough to, to actually fill a venue or, mm. um, or to get a good amount of people buying, buying beers or whatever? Um, so we, we also took that sort of 
um, yeah, let's see how it goes approach to it. And uh, we just thought, okay, we'll go over there, play some shows. If we make money out of it, that's fantastic. If not, then we've just gone a, on a massive road trip with a bunch of friends. <laughs> yeah. um, so we rented a camper van um, and and drove through the the states touring in a camper van, which was that's amazing. Which was really great because it meant that you always had like a dressing room, you always had a place to chill, and you'd never had to unpack your suitcase. Um, but then it also just took forever to get from one from one uh, <laughs> yeah. from A to B. So, um, and yeah, our, our guitarist, Jan, at the time, he always had, um, he had the habit of sleeping for the whole ride and waking up just the minute we hit like a city and had to do a load of stops and turns. Um, and he would always eat cornflakes at that exact moment. So <laughs> he usually had to wash his jumpers all the time because they were covered in milk. But yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> Did you did you have like a an actual driver or were you guys splitting the, the driving between you? Um, we were doing some some uh, yeah we were all kind of sharing the driving but mainly um, it was Jan's girlfriend who came along uh, who would do the most of the driving so it was it was just fun to to be able to travel with that group yeah. um, and and as I said it's it's the experience and the memories that you sort of gain from that um, and then we were surprised that the shows did really well. So, <laughs> so um, it was a fun road trip and we did get some money out of it. So that was good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and just to backtrack a little bit, cause you mentioned obviously like with your first band doing tours around Europe and the hospitality side of things there. And as you rightly said, like Europe, like treats you like Kings and Queens whenever you go to their venues. But for you, obviously being, a band from Belgium and obviously you growing up initially in the UK before moving to Belgium and then playing shows in England where to put it nicely the hospitality isn't <laughs> as the highest standard so was that a bit of a shock to you like when the first time you came over and toured the UK um I think well like with the with the hardcore DIY shows then you, we probably got better hospitality then <laughs> oh okay <laughs> fair enough because it, yeah there was always spaghetti so <laughs> <laughs> that's at least something um but yeah like 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 you said um hospitality in the uk like you, you sometimes get a buyout which is nice but it's yeah it, it it's not like the 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 buffet that you get in in germany <laughs> or anything like that and in the us it's sadly the same so um i mean understandable like funds aren't always the same everywhere but um we just it like if if, if and and this is going to sound like a real diva statement but <laughs> like it's just it's just tough like if you're traveling all day to get to a venue and then you have to set up do your sound check and then somehow find some time to go and buy food and yeah, and yeah. eat before the show with just enough time so that you don't have to throw it all up on stage it, it gets <laughs> yeah. complicated <laughs> so yeah yeah but i mean it's it, you know it, it is what it is i suppose and and uh like we've we've played enough shows now to sort of know what to expect and know how to work around it i guess no that's fair <laughs> 
So in terms of like other bands, I'm not going to sort of go through every single stage, but can you give us a, a little whistle stop tour of like what got you from that first band to Slow Crush? Ah. <laughs> um, yeah, so hardcore punk bands, metal bands, um, Slow Crush. <laughs> that, that, is there, is there anything of, of note that people might have heard of? Um, for me in particular, my, not, not really. <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, Yellow played in a, in another band, um, a kind of thrash metal band called Werewolves. Um, they also okay. released they also released a couple of uh, EPs and stuff. Um, Wait, how how is it spelled? Like Werewolves, like I definitely <laughs> I definitely booked them when uh, they played in the UK. Have they played in the UK? I don't think they played in yeah, the UK. so they they did a tour with Svalbard and it was like one of Svalbard's first uh, tours. Oh, no, I don't think it's that werewolf. Oh, is it not? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, um, I've, I've definitely heard of them. <laughs> um, and more of note, I think, is our drummer. So our drummer, he, um, before Slow Crush, he played in a band called The Sedan Vault. Oh, okay. And um, they, they actually got quite, uh, quite a big following um, in Belgium at the time. Um, they kind of, they're a bit sort of Mars Voltary. Um, mm. So, yeah, that was a, a band that he played in with his two brothers. Um, and they're really good, so you should check them out. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Um, yeah, so other than that, nothing, like, worth noting, I suppose, in, in, my, <laughs> in my personal musical career. <laughs> no, that's fair enough. Um, so as you say, like, obviously it was predominantly kind of like hardcore punk bands, so then when we get to Slow Crush, obviously, pardon the pun, but the music slowed down and obviously you've gone for the more kind of like ethereal, atmospheric sound that we kind of hear you with, with Slow Crush. So was that, how did that decision kind of come to be that that was the direction that the band was was going to go in? Um, well, it was just a case of, of wanting to do something different, sort of, um, yeah, you can't be angry the, your whole life, I suppose. Um, and so uh, Yellowhead wanted to, to play like in in a kind of more 90s indies inspired band for a long time, but just never really mm. found the right people um, to play with. So um, the, the the first guitar player, Jan, he was uh, he also had the same idea for ages and also never found someone. Um, and then Stephen, our first drummer, he had also been playing with the idea of, of trying to, to do something more um, more sort of indie related, um, also coming from, from previous hardcore bands. Um, so yeah, we, we'd all sort of been in that hardcore world for for long enough, I guess. Uh, mm. <laughs> um, although Jan and Steven, they, they still play in hardcore bands. Um, but yeah, we just wanted to try something different and, um, and it, it just, felt right at the time um so it, it was a style that we were we'd never really sort of delved too deep into play ourselves before we'd all mm. kind of grown up with with that kind of music we'd we'd all sort of yeah we, we'd all sort of been smashing pumpkins fans at, at one point yeah. in 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 our lives um and uh and obviously like the the bigger names like my bloody valentine bigger names the, the older classics, I suppose, <laughs> yeah. uh, like My Bloody Valentine and, and, and Ride and everything like that. Um, so 
yeah, we just tried it out um, and it felt good. So we uh, we wrote Aurora. Uh, I mean, we, we had the the Ease EP initially mm. as as an idea for a demo, just to sort of record in the living room that you can see a bit behind me. Um, and uh, yeah, so so we tracked that as a demo ended up really really liking it and so we just thought okay let's just release that as an ep and um mm. and then shortly after that we had the songs for aurora um mm. and went to southampton to record that so that's where it all started rolling <laughs> and as you mentioned earlier obviously like vocally wise obviously you hadn't really kind of done anything up until slow crash and you said obviously because of the way that you sing obviously that it kind of fit with the music but in terms of you kind of stepping into that spotlight so to say did you feel quite comfortable like straight away or did it kind of take you a little while to sort of like ease out like and quote unquote find your voice so to say um well i think like practicing in front of three people is a lot different than actually hitting a stage for the first time. Mm. So but before that first show, I was very, very, very anxious. Um, <laughs> uh, so, so like playing shows in front of people that, that was something that I, that I did have to grow into. Um, and uh, yeah, absolutely finding my voice was, was, that was a, that was a kind of search, um, for the right way to sing as well so i would just listen to um to bands like pity sex uh and um jaguar and mumrana as well mm. at the time so i, I th those are the three the three bands that sort of helped me um find my singing style um so i owe a lot to them yeah. <laughs> uh and it it was just yeah it was just sort of nice to to find those kind of um those bands that that have a similar vocal um timbre that that i could produce um mm. so yeah that that was definitely something that i had to learn um yeah. and learn to get comfortable with as well mm. and you mentioned also the the easy p and I, I i was trying to wrap my brain before we jumped on this call how i came across it but i i can't remember for the life of me now it must have been like just somebody posted it online and I, like i liked the artwork so i thought oh, i'll check it out but it does seem like since from like immediately from there there was kind of like a snowball effect in terms of like people gravitating towards you and then like getting signed to a label then aurora and obviously now fast forwarding to where we are now so was that how it was to be in the band as well like it was almost like hit the ground running and then everything's happened. Yep. <laughs> Long story short. Yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> but right. Yeah, exactly. It, it is exactly that. So um, the, the ease that we, we recorded the easy P and then sent that around to some friends as a demo just to see what people thought of it. And um, like the second person that we sent it to was like, oh yeah, I've sent this to Walter from, uh, from Roadburn. Um, and he really likes it, so he wants to book you. And that was our third oh, show. Wow. So our third show ever was at Roadburn. That's insane. <laughs> That's so um, good. So if 
there, I mean, there's no better way to hit the ground running than that, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and I guess it gets those show nerves out of the way pretty quickly yeah, as well. Yeah, I didn't have any time to think about how anxious <laughs> yeah. I was. Um, so, yeah, and, and then with Aurora, same kind of thing. We just sent it around to a couple of labels. Um, and um, at the time, Holy Raw were, were interested. And we really liked what they were doing as a label. Um, so that that was a very easy decision to make to, to mm. sign with them. Um, yeah, unfortunately, the, the label collapsed. Um, but luckily, like all of all of the business that we had dealt with was with Justine in any case. So I mean, okay. she was pretty, she was managing, she was managing us uh, and, and all of our, all of our business um, with Holy Roar as well. So she was our main contact uh, together with Sam, uh, Sam Robinson, who is also yeah. on Church Road now. Um, so, I mean, we, and, and just the way that Justine handled sort of the severance for all of the bands was, was mm. impeccable um so like it just made absolute sense to to go with them for church road uh, mm. when, when uh, she she moved to church road um because we we knew that we could trust her we we know her work ethic um and mm. we know that that is what we were comfortable with a band as well like knowing the people that you're working with so yeah, <laughs> yeah. and i don't want to dwell on it too much but just because obviously you've brought it up there and i think it's still an important conversation to have obviously you've said there that a lot of your sort of dealings was with justine and obviously still is with with church road but when everything kind of like blew up with with the holy raw side of things what what was your kind of like i don't know did, was it an, an immediate impact on you guys as a band because obviously the label you're on has been whipped out from underneath you and obviously, like, I don't want to kind of put too much on it, but obviously your position being a woman in a band that there might have because I know there was with Ithaca and, and Svalbard that there was kind of eyes on those people who were associated. So did you kind of see that side of things or because you were very much kind of one of Justine's bands, like you were kind of not really in that eye line? Yeah, I mean, we'd... we'd... Like all the interactions we'd had with Alex had been very, very amicable. We'd never had any issues when we met him, but obviously, like, yeah, the, the few times we met him, you, it, nothing was visible. Um, mm. And um, yeah, thankfully, um, I've I've never been in a situation where I've been uncomfortable with how people have treated me uh personally yeah. um for any from anyone so i'm i'm just i think that i'm very lucky to be in that position um but obviously hearing that news and reading that news uh i think it was on a tuesday night or something like that it's a punch in mm. the gut for anyone um and especially yeah from from a woman's perspective it, it is very scary to think that that somebody that you'd you trusted or, or or yeah even known as a friend uh could, could ever be involved in something like that so yeah it's um and as i said i i i, I yeah i i didn't i don't know alex very kind of uh well personally or i don't know him mm. deeply enough to to 
to to to to be able to say that yeah I, i've never experienced anything like that from him so yeah yeah um it's just it, it was just hard to sort of to accept that that could have happened um or that yeah those actions could have been taken from someone that i know yeah no no i get you it's yeah it, it i mean yeah maybe i'm just looking at this too naively but um but it's just hard to sort of put yourself in that position um mm. but yeah it's it it was horrible news for us all um and all of the holy roll bands at the time we, we had a massive chat group and so we were all sort of just talking through our feelings at the time um and and what the next actions uh were to take um yeah so that was also a very that was also very comforting to to feel that we had that sort of community and and yeah and yeah that's to really be able cool. to work through it um and from from a band perspective like um i think we were also very lucky as well to be in the position that we were that we weren't just about to release an album like Svalbard yeah. or, or Palm Reader or, or um, um, yeah so we had nothing sort of on we had nothing to put on hold and we had yeah. nothing that was um, that was at risk of of falling through the cracks uh, because of that and um, with the news having broken during the pandemic <laughs> mm. that also meant that we weren't in the middle of a tour or yeah. um, we weren't like previously occupied um, and we had a lot of time to think things through um, where we wanted to go as a band um, and and who the best label would be for us to, to make our new home. Um, so yeah, a lot of labels had reached out uh, to, mm. to us and, and all of the bands, I suppose, um, after hearing the news from Holy Roll. Um, and we really had enough time to consider all of the options. Um, and, and as I said before, um, going with Church Road, knowing Justine personally and knowing how she works and, and how, how professional she is, um, mm. it just made sense to us. And, and, and although, like, yeah, you can, you can step into a huge machine, um, but, <laughs> yeah. but not you're not going to have the guarantee that they're going to be as enthusiastic about you forever. Um, yeah, of course. And, uh, and with, with Church Road and Justine, we're, we're very confident that, um, that we can talk openly with them as well. Um, mm. And we, uh, we both have the same sort of, the same motivation to, to keep the band um, at the level, at the levels that we want to grow to. So. That's cool. Um, I'm just going to sort of backtrack a little bit just in terms of sort of the the growth of Slow Crush because as, as we mentioned it was quite sort of like very quick and rapid and you mentioned your third show being Roadburn but I remember like I think it was maybe just before Aurora came out you were a band that I kind of like saw were like you were actively touring a lot and like you were kind of very active on social media and things and then I can't remember, correct me if I'm wrong but I think the year you did 2000 Trees was maybe the year before Aurora? I can't remember now off the top of my head. Aurora was already out 2000 Trees. I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. But you were obviously starting to play like these, like the bigger shows, bigger festivals and things like that. But can you remember like a specific point in time when like 
you realise that okay, we are like getting on that next level now, where we are being able to do festivals, we're being able to do these longer runs of tours. And has that always kind of been a mission statement for the bands, rather than like it being a stroke? Like I don't want to say it wasn't a stroke of luck, but that you've always pushed to to go on to the next bigger thing, sort of thing. I think um, we we've definitely been workhorses. Um, mm. So, uh, and especially at the beginning, we were like, okay, let's just play any show that we can grab our hands on. Um, with the intention of just getting our music out there as much as possible um yeah. so like we would we would do kind of yeah we, we would do as many shows as we could on on european tours to to travel to as many places as we could um just to get that exposure in those other countries um that that may not have already come across our name anywhere so um that was i think that sort of work ethic was uh was admired by a lot of the bigger festivals or or, mm. um, or or the labels that that had shown interest in us um so it's it's definitely a case of working hard will get you where you want to go i suppose yeah and um just in terms of kind of uh before we kind of get to to the new record something i wanted to ask about was your kind of live show and obviously you mentioned earlier kind of like that the music you play sort of lends well to to your vocal style but obviously live like your sound is a lot lot more kind of bigger and, and atmospheric than it is on record just because obviously you've got that added oomph of, of a live setting sort of thing and obviously like your your vocals st- still cut through but like in a different way live so I don't know was that something that like once you'd kind of got used to touring and things that that you kind of had to strike a balance of like oh okay like we want like the guitars and the bass to be like this big like sound in the background but you still need to hear my voice because there's I think with the style of music you play there's a danger that it could like get buried in in the sound if that makes sense yeah absolutely and that's something that we've uh, also learned a lot from uh with Mm. all the shows we've played so um we've We've actually, um, we've played around with so many different sort of setups gear wise um, to try and give each instrument its own sort of breathing space. Right. Um, So one of the huge things, one of the huge changes we made is actually in the symbols. Uh, We play with um, Silchen FRX symbols, which actually have holes in them. Um, right. to cut out some of the some of the frequencies that interfere with with the vocal frequencies um, and so hopefully cutting out most of the feedback that will come through my mic as <laughs> yeah. I'm standing right in front of the symbols and I'm probably at the same height being so small <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah we've got that we've also got um, I use uh, special audix mics um, that are also very directional uh, to cut out as much of the background noise as possible. Um, and we're, we're still sort of learning and evolving and trying out new things um, with with like different sort of techniques on, on the sound engineer side as well, um, mm. just to, to be able to cut the feedback <laughs> as, as much as yeah, possible yeah. and also make all of the, make the blend of the instruments and the vocals um, still still um 
like an ambient blend, but um, but enough to be able to to pick out all of the different uh, all of the different elements. Hmm. So yeah, that that has definitely been a work in a work in progress um, <laughs> to get us as yeah. far as we have. <laughs> And you obviously mentioned as well, like you guys being workhorses and that has entailed obviously you having opportunities to tour with like a different sort of variety of bands. So obviously like the, the Galgeway tour is one that kind of like springs to mind is like a, a quite a, a clash of styles. And obviously the one that you're doing in December with Loathe, I think that is kind of, you couldn't get as far opposite ends of the spectrum sort of in terms of sound wise um, but do you enjoy that, that, that you have that sort of opportunity and breadth that your sound can kind of fit almost anywhere with it, with anyone? Sort of yeah, thing? absolutely. I think um, although, although like those bands are very different from us, there is sort of a, a thread between, uh, between us. So, um, mm. and I think that is just because of all of the different styles of music that we listen to personally, or that we've played before in bands that, that still shines through in, in the music that we, that we make now. Um, so I think it does give that broader sort of spectrum that, uh, different people can, can find something that they like out of, uh, out of our songs as well, that, maybe we hadn't even personally sort of seen before. So mm. I know that at one show, um, somebody came up to us and said, yeah, that song really sounds like the Melvins. And I'm like, the Melvins? <laughs> 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 what? <laughs> um, but, but then, yeah, when you think about it a bit deeper, it's like, oh yeah, maybe that bass line is a little bit like that, that's got that grind, uh, that, that Melvin sort of crunch to it. So yeah, yeah it's, it, I think that's just what makes music so universal and I think as well like nowadays it is um it's not so narrow-minded I suppose mm. um people are, are are open to listen to to different genres and um and also just like especially sort of with with sort of uh larger um with larger kind of shows or festivals and anything or, or everything if 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 it's all the same kind of band like the whole night long it, it gets tiring <laughs> yeah yeah so it's kind of nice to have um to have some variation and have a little palate cleanser i suppose um mm. but then still have those common aspects to 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 make it um still an enjoyable night so yeah <laughs> mm. and have you found that like because of that that it's maybe opened you up to to more people because like I think if we're taking like if I grab a name out of the air if there was to be like a slow clush cloak room tour like okay you're gonna have like a similar sort of fan base because you're in the realm of shoegaze sort of thing but obviously like with the tour that you did with Galge Away like you've got a more sort of punk fan base with Galge Away and then you've got your fan base which is obviously more kind of along the shoegaze line of things but have you found that because of that, you've found more crossover in fans that people are kind of like, oh, I hadn't heard of you guys. And now they're kind of your fans as well, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's definitely that's always going to be a benefit um, if you're playing for people that you've that, that wouldn't have otherwise listened to you. So, um, yeah, I think that multidimensionalism uh, mm. does help sort of 
spread your name further than than maybe the the uh, yeah the, the 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 regular public for whatever you're cast as a genre. So um, <laughs> yeah. that's kind of I mean like I don't have a huge problem with us being called shoegaze, but it is quite it is quite limiting in a way because there yeah. is there is a lot more to it. But understandable, you've got to stick something on the label so that <laughs> yeah. people will know what you sound like um but but yeah uh i think the best way to to figure out if you like a band or not is to listen to them and it doesn't matter what, yeah, what no, they're fair. called i suppose <laughs> yeah no 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 that's that's absolutely fair and like that's i'm i will admit like i am a sucker for it like when i see a label I'll be like oh okay like i know how to classify that band but as you say like once you listen to them it's okay they'll have elements of of said genre they're labeled with but there's there's like so many like multifaceted elements to like different types of music yeah so but unfortunately people like to be pointed in a direction be like you'll like this <laughs> <So>. yeah. <laughs> yeah that's fine <laughs> <laughs> but um if we get onto the new record now obviously aurora was a huge success and like as i said i think that did put a lot of eyes on you and I think personally from hearing Hush a week before it's been released, which I'm very thankful for, I think this is going to put you on that sort of next level of like exposure. But in terms of you kind of wanting to approach it, so I could be completely wrong on this. So correct me if I'm wrong. But with Hush, it does, it feels a lot more like softer in tone in terms of like musically but you're obviously still kind of like, as you said earlier, so you've still kind of that, got that doom and gloom sort of side of things. Whereas for me personally, Aurora kind of felt a bit more sort of that throughout, if that makes sense. So did you kind of want to take like a lighter approach with Hush? Yeah, I think light, I, I, I would call it anything but light really. I think <laughs> for, for me personally, I feel that Aurora was quite, light in in theme perhaps mm. i think um so yeah so i mean maybe light is not the but like it feels like hush feels like more sort of it's got more of a soundscape and it's a bit more sort of yeah. like without sounding cheesy like beautiful yeah okay <laughs> so that's say yeah um i think maybe what you're what you're referring to is the is the 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 breathing room between yeah. between the instruments so i think yeah whereas aurora was very much a wall of sound uh that was sort of blended and merged together um and at some points like indistinguishable like between guitar mm. lines it, it i think it it maybe um yeah maybe some some of the different um of the different uh Le levels or, or um yeah so some of the different levels may may have got lost perhaps or um mm. or are harder to sort of tune into perhaps and with hush we we did spend more um we did spend more um attention to to kind of get that balance right so yeah that's something that we were very focused on um, especially with the vocals as well. So the, mm. vocal, the vocals are a little bit louder than, than on Aurora. Um, and, and 
just the the way that the songs are composed as well gives that breathing room and and time even between to, to let each instrument shine at its own at its own moment mm. um so perhaps that's the the beauty <laughs> the additional <laughs> yeah. beauty of the record um but in terms of of kind of theme i think like yeah aurora was sort of a bit more uplifting i suppose and yeah. although there is still sort of the hopefulness in hush um it is very much more melancholic uh mm. and and perhaps it it just it, it can perhaps um touch you emotionally in a different way than aurora i think mm. yeah. and because obviously you say like with this record there's that more there's more that balance and that time to breathe with things and i don't want to kind of put words in your mouth but because of obviously circumstance of time where where this record has been made <coughs> and released because you had more time is that why you think that that's kind of worked out the way it has um well time was definitely a benefit um uh, to have because, <laughs> like the the original plans for recording was just like okay we're, we're gonna go and hit the studio these 14 days between multiple tours and uh yeah we still got like three songs to write and <laughs> so um <laughs> Yeah, the pandemic couldn't have come at a better time in that respect. Um, but I think it is just um, just the way that we've evolved and, and grown as a band as well to mm. to realize that that is something that that needs to be um, yeah that 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 needs to be given the the needed attention. Um, yeah, we were we were extremely happy with the way that Aurora was produced and recorded. Um, so much so that we went back to Neil Kennedy to to do the uh, to do the mixing of uh, mm. this one. Um, and um, like, yeah, had we been able to get out of Belgium at the time of recording, <laughs> we would have. Uh, yeah, our initial plans were to go abroad to record as well. Um, but uh, unfortunately, we all know that that wasn't possible. <laughs> yeah. um, but still, that also gave us the opportunity to discover a, a gem of a studio over here in Belgium, in Ghent. Um, and we used their beautiful drum room, which was very spacious uh, to get the acoustics that we wanted. Um, and yeah, so we couldn't be happier with uh, how this one was recorded either. Mm. And you mentioned obviously with the the sort of vocal side of things that they are a bit louder on this record, and they again that's kind of like added to to the whole sort of giving everything its opportunity to breathe and things like that. But I'm I'm gonna again I don't want this to sound like I'm putting you through therapy, but going back to obviously you saying that you when you were younger not necessarily a confident as a vocalist. Fast forward to now, is that because you're now more confident and comfortable with how you use your voice as an extra instrument within the bands that you wanted to kind of give it a bit more punch? Um, 
I don't, I, I don't think that that was necessarily the reason. Um, it wasn't me that was shouting that I needed to be louder on the record. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but we just felt that these songs, uh, these songs, songs deserve, deserved more vocals. <laughs> or that they deserved louder vocals or, or that the vocal lines were, uh, were pretty enough to bring up front a bit more. Yeah. Um, but also just like, yeah, on Aurora, listening back to it, maybe they were a little bit quiet. Um, but it, it, I think that the balance worked well for those songs. Um, mm. But for this one, because it was a little bit more, because the, the, the tempo is perhaps a little bit uh, more laid back uh, yeah. on, on most of the songs and, and it's, it's a different sort of, a different feel. Um, the, the vocals, they, they just, the, 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 the balance of the vocals in the mix just makes more sense uh, the way it is mm. now. And just in, in general, obviously, it might be different from Aurora to Hush, or you might have the same kind of uh, way of working throughout it. But because obviously I have no, I don't have the first clue of how you write the style of music that you write. Um, but because of the way that you fit the vocals into it, do you kind of have, like, say if you've got a complete song, do you have an idea in your head of where you're going to fit the vocals? Or do you wait until the song's finished and then you write the vocals to the song. How do you kind of work that? Um, I think that really depends. So I think the, the most of the time the vocals will come more like after the sort of main guitar lines are all figured out and everything. But um, it is a matter of layering up all of the instruments, including the vocals. Mm. So it could be that a vocal melody would then inspire another sort of uh, layer of guitars. Right, or it could okay. be that a layer of guitars will inspire a vocal melody. Um, and uh, yeah, so it, it is just a case of, of um, putting everything together to see where the best, uh, where, where, where it fits best. Mm. And to, just to go back to obviously where we kind of are at the present, obviously the record coming out, but you guys are, are going to obviously be hitting the road again soon and obviously doing the run of shows in Belgium, but then the, the big mammoth of what is next year <laughs> is that just the case that you're you're trying to make up for lost time or <laughs> how, are you just gluttons for punishment because that is a lot of touring yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna miss my cats <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i don't know i think like yeah it it when when covid hit we were supposed to go on a two-month tour as well um and mm. that was all cancelled um and yeah we've just been sort of like all bands just pushing out and pushing out and pushing out um but we feel that with with the record coming out we we need to we need to bring it to the world and we need to go and play all of these shows uh for for all of these crowds that have that have seen us in previous tours and uh i think the idea was let's try and do as much as we can as possible in one in one period of time, mm. <laughs> in case it will never happen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, but no, I, I think yeah, it, it, work-wise or, or um, to to try and arrange something like that, it's uh, the the thought was it would be easier to to do it all in a block. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, just just also just traveling. Uh, it's a lot easier to to kind of make your way to a place far away 
playing shows in between rather than yeah. schedule a show in Russia <laughs> with, yeah, with nothing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that Russia is not on the tour <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> so that will still come. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, it, it just seemed to make sense logistically. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. And also we're really excited. <laughs> yeah. And just in terms of, because I say you've kind of got those like release shows in Belgium to kind of kickstart things. And again, I'm going to kind of come full circle but obviously my, like, as I said, my experience with, like, music in Belgium specifically is kind of the more sort of hardcore world of things. And obviously with this being album two for, for you guys, what, how do, like, what are your crowds like in Belgium and how do people, like, perceive you being, like, a Belgian band that's being quite successful and being able to go tour the rest of Europe, tour, tour the States? Are they, are they proud of, are Belgians proud of you? I don't... I'm not sure because we haven't seen anybody for the last two years. <laughs> um, yeah, well, we are seeing a lot more kind of um, media pickup uh, now from Belgium as well. Um, yeah. So I know that there's one radio station, Radio Willy, uh, <laughs> which is a weird name, but um, <laughs> yeah. but like they they play more sort of more alternative uh, rock music, and and they've been sort of shouting us out a lot. Um, oh, that's cool. and and playing playing they, they, I think they even played um a, a song from the record that was not a single they like premiered <laughs> a song that was not a single um yesterday or something but um yeah they they seem to be very proud of us um that's we, cool. we've had some airplay on like the the one of the biggest alternative radio stations in Belgium as well uh, from from Aurora even uh from that period um so studio Brussels um mm. they've played us even like the radio one of belgium they've also played us a couple of times so we we are getting some sort of airtime in belgium um as for crowds yeah like i said we haven't really played a proper <laughs> yeah. show since um since a, we, we played um in the the most renowned sort of belgian uh venue the ancien belgique or the ab in brussels um, together with Softkill uh, in December mm. before uh, December 2019, um, that was like close to selling out. So it's it's uh, I think that that I think Belgium is kind of proud of us in their own way, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, the the music that we play is quite niche. Um, so yeah, we can't expect to to be the next. Beyonce or anything like that, Belgium. <laughs> um, but but we're we're happy with the with the um, with the following that we have at the moment, and uh, and obviously like we're very thankful for the airplay that we get. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll see how these uh, these release shows turn out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll see with with COVID. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if people are very confident about going to in indoor shows yet. But hopefully. Uh, Hopefully some people will come out. <laughs> mm. And just to, one last thing on, on the record, obviously, say we'll be coming out the, the Friday that this episode comes out. But for you personally, what do you kind of hope that people kind of take away from this record? Um, well, I, I just hope that people sort of take the time to listen to it, for, for one, um, and that they can 
they can make their own connection to to the records. So mm. um, I know a lot of times we get asked, you know, to 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 give our sort of opinion on or, or like a track by track or what the yeah. song is about and everything like that. But we what what the, the like, as I was mentioning before about the guy that said that we sounded like the Melvins. Um, yeah. I really think that that is the beauty that people can make their own connection and link their own stories to to songs and and musics and and music and just let the music carry them into their own sort of zone um, to to yeah think about what it means to them. Um, so yeah, that that's something that I'm looking forward to to hearing people's opinion of and uh, yeah. and and people's connection to to the songs um because they could be completely different to to our own ideas. <laughs> yeah um Issa before I let you go how I like to to end this is to ask my guests what their favorite song is but with a bit of a twist but I'm going to give you two stabs because you're you have a new record coming out so I, I usually say what's your favorite uh, slow crush songs play live and why but i'm going to say what out of the old set what was your favorite song to play live and out of the stuff that you've got coming out what are you most looking forward to playing live uh, you know i'm vegan so that i don't have a lot of choice so i don't ever have to make decisions <laughs> <laughs> so this is really hard <laughs> um yeah i uh, I don't know. I, I I love playing all of the songs live. <laughs> I mean, of course, the obvious the obvious sort of choice from the old songs is like, yeah, Glow is really really fun to play because it's just it's it's the end of our set usually, and uh, everyone goes crazy. So that's really great. Um, but I also love playing um, playing Tremble. Um, mm. So I think there's there's a lot of emotion in in that song that um, that that really connects to a lot of people. Um, out of the new songs, which one I'd like to play live? Um, I really like the song Swivel, um, so I really enjoy playing that. And I think even when we were recording with it, I just kept on because I was just getting so excited. I kept on messing up one line and I had to record it over and over again because I would just be smiling <laughs> towards the end <laughs> and uh, yeah, couldn't concentrate or focus. Um, so yeah, that, that just, um, that song just makes me really happy. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> so I love playing that one. Um, yeah. So I guess that's my choice. I gave you two for the old. No, 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 it's fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of glad you said swivel because that was going to, I was going to give my two cents. So swivel, is one and the last track bent and broken is the other one that i'm very much looking forward to so yeah definitely looking forward to to seeing you guys but yeah isa thank you very much for for your time really appreciate it thank and you. yeah really looking forward to seeing you guys on the road with with Lowe later this year awesome thanks so much no worries take care see you soon So there we have it, folks. Again, huge thank you to Issa for taking some time and having a chat with me. As I mentioned, uh, Hush is out this Friday on Church Road Records. It'll be on all various streaming platforms as well. So make sure you go check that out this coming Friday. Um, and Slow Hush will be touring with uh, Loathe 
over here in the UK in December and then literally anywhere else around the world from 2022 basically they're doing pretty much the whole of the states uh if you live in Belgium they're doing some some hometown dates around Belgium uh later this month sort of towards the end of uh like around Halloween time but yeah they're literally going to be on the road non-stop from the end of this month pretty much um but yeah you keep up to what they're doing with on all their various social media platforms as always which will be in the episode show notes um but yeah i'm gonna stop babbling as always because i never know how to end this but once again if this is the first time you're listening to the show or the 211th time thank you for stopping by the justin insight podcast and i will see you soon